you'd walk this way, I'd like to welcome you to the NDP studio. Hey, all right. How do, people? Hey, hey, hey. What's a hey, hey, hey? How you doing? What are you guys still doing here? We're working. Go record your show. Everyone, I would like to introduce our manager. Sorry, folks. We gotta go. Klein, can you get my show notes, man? I'll get them for you. Wait, wait, wait. They all want to go with you. Wait a minute. I love that idea. Let's bring them all with us to the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. Hello there, my name is Bryce, and welcome to another episode of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. I'm here with my good friend Timmy. Say hi, man. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Happy you're here. So, we have, surprisingly, quite a bit to talk about, and really more resort news than anything. So, we're going to get Timmy's thoughts on Mandalorian, we're going to get Timmy's thoughts on the rise of Skywalker, and then we're going to go right into some resort news. Find out why Disney was letting a large group of people into Magic Kingdom with no tickets and no passes. I know, dude, it's nuts. <laughs> I don't know how they even got past Disney to even to even do that. That's I've, I've never heard of that. It's because Disney can't get out of its own way, but we'll get into that in a bit. We're also going to talk about a people mover fire, which may or may not have happened. We're going to be talking about Hollywood Studios, the rise of Resistance, Disney buying up 235 more acres, and then me and Timmy are going to finish everything off with a top five Pixar movies. Ready to get into it? I'm ready. Let's go. So, Timmy, we don't have really any entertainment news to talk about this week. Unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunate. So, my question to you is then, buddy, what are your thoughts on Rise of Skywalker? I know you you had some strong, strong opinions on it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, look, I, I walked out of that movie. I didn't, I felt, I don't know, I just felt like they didn't really, you know, give Rise of Skywalker justice. You know, it's the end of the Skywalker saga. I would figure them to end it something, you know, something right and righteous, but I don't know. I just, it I, it, it just didn't do it for me. There were a lot of um, moments where I felt like it was rushed. Okay. Um, You know, the whole thing with, uh, with Palvatine, I, you know, I, enjoyed the idea that they they brought him back after what 40 years yeah. in the in the history of uh you know of of the of that saga going on and but they just they brought him back so quickly in the movie and you know this whole time it's like where has he been you know we find out that you know what he's been doing the whole time but it's other than that man it's like I don't know. I felt like the script was pretty weak. <laughs> I felt like the acting a little bit was a little weird. And I don't know. It's just, there's a lot, a, a lot wrong with this movie. 
true. You know, I have gone on record, and I do not really like this movie very much at all. Now, I will say I saw it a second time in Dolby, and I did enjoy the movie a little bit more than I did the first time. Mm -hmm. That being said, though, I didn't love it. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't like, hooray! Yeah, like, don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> I think the um the special effects, you know, the the you know everything they're doing with the graphics, it's awesome. It is awesome. I mean, that shot where it showed that fleet of star destroyers in the sky, that was a legit shot. I thought that was awesome. I like how they set it up too with all the fog and whatnot. It yeah. was genuinely it was very a spooky, eerie. very spooky. Um intro and you know seeing all the the sith statues and all that i thought it was like i'm like oh man this is gonna be a horror film or something like that but but yeah other than that i mean yeah like i said like the the special effects all that was incredible but you know if it's just that if i'm walking out of a movie and, and you know that's the only thing that caught my mind then you know it just other than that it just really wasn't that good yeah i'll agree with you there now I am always the first to say, I will be the first to say and the first to admit when I am wrong. And I was. I was incorrect. In my spoiler review that me and James did of Rise of Skywalker, I said that there are not, and I was adamant about the fact that there was not two transport ships. There is. It's still a stupid scene. <laughs> it is still a stupid scene. Yeah. That scene, and it even, and it could have been played well, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if they would have gotten up there and said, you know what, we're going to hold the card of the fact of, hey, Chewie is still alive. Yeah. Until later. Like, say we found that out right when Ray did. Mm -hmm. Imagine how much more impactful that moment would have been when Ray finds out, oh my God, Chewie's still alive. And then we, at the same time, we're. Chewie's still alive, really? Yeah, like surviving the wreckage or something like that. But, I mean, the way you saw that ship explode, man, <laughs> I don't think, no. Well, because he was on that second transport Yeah, because he was ship. on the second, second transport. transport. What I'm saying is that even though the second transport ship was there, it's still a cop-out. Like, it was, <laughs> it was poorly set up for something that ended up being very cheap. Because if you had a fake death of Chewie, and you let it sit and simmer for a while, that could have been truly impactful, and people would have been genuinely upset. But I think it's like the next scene, right after Ray is freaking out about the fact that, hey, I killed Chewie, we cut to the Star Destroyer, and Chewie's still alive. Like, yeah, it was way too quick. Yes. It's just like, oh my gosh, I killed him, Sith Lightning kind of shot out of my hand, and then all of a sudden just like, minutes later it's like oh and then this happened and then Chewbacca's alive and I'm like okay I, it didn't it, it didn't give me enough time to let let it sink in that Chewie died because when I when I saw that happen I was a little shocked I was like holy crap they, sure they actually killed Chewie I'm like I I, I started realizing and, and seeing the pattern too you know seeing you know in the, in in the yeah, uh, the Force Awakens. You know, Han dies, he gets stabbed, and then that was pretty. I mean, I knew it was coming, but it was, seeing it in action, it was still like, wow! It, it caught everybody off guard. Sure. And then you know, seeing Luke die, that was pretty. I mean, everybody kind of, you know, saw that 
you know, going to happen and stuff. And then, and then all of a sudden Chewie dying. So like they're taking all these characters, you know, the, the characters that we, you know, were, that, you know, we were raised with and we saw in these movies and they're just killing them off. So when I saw Chewie, or at least when, when, you know, when you think uh, you see Chewie like explode in that ship, um, you know, it was really a shocker to me, at, at least for me, but absolutely, it, it was just too quick, too quick. Just let it simmer, let it s- sit in so that people can, you know, have that emotion, you know? Right. And the thing is, if you look back on Han and you look back on Luke and see why they died, it was to serve a rather large dramatic purpose Mm -hmm. within the story. Yeah. And Chewie's death here would have fulfilled that. Mm -hmm. It would have been a large dramatic death that furthered the dramatic part of the story, you know? Mm -hmm. So, man, I just, I don't know. That part really did frustrate me. Yeah. Now, what did you like about Rise of Skywalker? Was it just the effects? (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, look. I mean, look, yeah, the effects were incredible. That was awesome. But, yeah, other than that, that was it, man. Not even the the lightsaber fights? Nothing? Well, the first lightsaber duel was good. Right. I I liked that. That That was really, really cool. But then it just got repetitive after that. And I felt like they just they got bored with the with the you know with the dueling and stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is getting a little repetitive with the you know fighting and the the monologuing and talking. And it's just like, okay, come on, let's go. Like, what's the real reason behind this? You know? Right. And yeah, I mean, I thought that was really cool when you know Palpatine was you know given his his speech and like you just see that crowd of Sith. I don't, I don't, I'm till this day, I don't even know what they are, what they were even. I, I don't know if they even explained that or not, but they didn't. I just thought that that was super metal and I loved it. Then they, then they all just perished and died. And so did the like several star destroyers that we saw. They all died Phantom Menace style. So it, it just would have been cool to see more of that. Who, you know, who were those Sith warriors and even the, uh, the troopers, like they these guys, I don't know if you saw, but like these these weren't ordinary stormtroopers. They they called them a uh, Sith Sith troopers, I believe, and they were dressed in red armor or outfitted in red armor, I should say, and they looked really cool. But that's about it. Like the, these are like very tiny things that I saw that I liked about it. But that's that's all that really captured me. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, because <laughs> like I said, I mean. Going into the movie, even a second time, coming out, there are parts that I did enjoy, even though overall, I didn't really care for the movie. Now, I might not have cared for Rise of Skywalker, and me and James are going to get into this on a later episode a little bit more, but Timmy, I want your thoughts on The Mandalorian. What did you think of that? This saved me (laughs) from not hating star wars i mean <laughs> really yeah dude. really rise of skywalker was that bad to you i mean like i'm I'm really happy that you know the mandalorian was playing during that because i believe it was um because you know every friday the mandalorian came out at least uh, or one episode came out right and i think it was since star wars was coming out that week they played uh the episode of the mandalorian on a monday or a Tuesday, or I, I'm they not sure. They released it on Wednesday. Wednesday, that's what it was. And, um, you know, they didn't want that to be, you know, 
Rise of Skywalker on one on on the same day as the Mandalorian episode, and all and that that show is was already getting enough hype, right? And but yeah, man, that show is incredible. I love it. It is so good. It's it's just your typical Western gunslinger, uh, you know, action packed show, and but it goes into depth. And and the really cool thing too is that they explore more on the. Uh, the culture of the Mandalorians, you know, who they really are. And it really shows the aftermath of the empire, you know, what troops, what the troops that, you know, were alive during that time, what they did, you know, like not all of them died on the star, on the star destroyer, you know, some were still on other bases on other planets. So it showed what they did. And then it showed with what, uh, you know, one of the characters, uh, Cara Dune, is that her name? Cara Dune. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The shock trooper who was part of the rebellion. But she didn't stay a rebel forever. She left that. So I really like uh, the um, the character building of of these of these uh, characters, and it just it, it it really made sense, and I I really enjoyed it. Very good. Yeah, I really really enjoyed for the most part Mandalorian. There was a couple episodes that I was like, ah, this could have been better, or this episode didn't need to be in here at all. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But for the most part, it was fun. Like it was just a lot of fun, and they did some really interesting things with the technology that the Mandalorians used, like, like the grappling oh, yeah. hook, like, like the jetpack. I really liked all that stuff. Yeah, they. Uh, I felt like, um, like even in the movies, the live action films, the closest we ever got to seeing that was Episode Two in uh, Attack of the Clones, and it showed Jango Fett on Kamino and him fighting against Obi Wan. I mean, he used a few things, like he showed him using the vibro blades on his on his wrist. Yeah, they showed him using the rocket from his, um, you know, from his jetpack. You know, they 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 did a few things with him, but that's about it. And then in the end of the movie, he just gets his head chopped off. In in the pretty most, unceremoniously, like, yeah. Too. Just like, I'm like, well, he's a dead. Mandalorian warrior. <laughs> this guy is, you know, this guy's a G. To be fair, he was going up against the original G, Mace Windu. Not only, though, was it Mace Windu, it was Samuel L. Jackson (laughs) as Mace Windu with his awesome purple lightsaber. Yeah. I I love the story behind that. The fact that he went to George and was like, look, I'll be in your movie, but you're going to give me a purple lightsaber. George was like, but Samuel, (laughs) there are no other purple lightsabers in the entirety of Star Wars. He's like, Correct. Isn't that what he really said? Oh, I have no idea. But, oh. I mean, there's not. Like, there's, if you watch the rest of the stuff, there's no purple lightsabers. And yet, Mace Windu had a purple lightsaber. When Samuel L. Jackson wants it his way, he gets it his way. If he wants a purple lightsaber, he's get one. That's, that's, that's all that. I mean, could you imagine the verbal abuse one would have to withstand if you told Samuel L. Jackson, no. Like... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you get shot or something. I don't know. The expletive tirade that would be sure to be coming your way would be insane. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, all in all, I mean, it, it was, I I enjoyed it. I, I still think the show was incredible. What would you rate it? Uh, like a one out of five or one out of ten? Either way. Well, you did mention that you said there were there were you know s- some episodes that they could do without some things that were unnecessary to put in an episode. Sure. So I wouldn't give it a perfect ten, but I would definitely give it like an eight point five. 
That's not a bad score for it. Nah, man. This sh- even though this show had a few things that it could do without, I loved it. Every bit of it. It was it was really really good in my opinion. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. On behalf of the cast of the Walt Disney World Resort, we'd like to welcome you to the Magic Kingdom. All right. If you're not driving or walking or doing something that involves your eyes, do me a favor. Close your eyes and picture the scene. You're stepping off of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. Like, oh man, I almost had a perfect score. 800,000 points. I was so close. Can you believe it? I was so close. I couldn't have been closer without actually getting the 999,000. You step out of the door, and all of a sudden, you see smoke just erupting from the ramp on the people mover. That's what people had to deal with not too long ago. I'm not 100% sure on the day. It's my fault. I didn't check it. But there was a tiny electrical fire on the people mover. Now, Reedy Creek Fire Department did come out and say, we're not going to say what the cause of the fire was, but a lot of the first-hand people who were there did say that they could smell the burning rubber and the electricity. So, that's most likely what it was, especially if you look at some of the photos online. Just the smoke is everywhere. Everywhere. It's nuts. So a lot of people are happy, like, oh, yeah, okay, people movers safe, people movers safe. Because, I mean, the fire department was only there for about 12 minutes, came out, did their inspection, got everything handled, boom, they're done. My question to you, Timmy, is do you think that Disney will use this incident as a way to close down the wedway so that they can make room for maybe something else? Or possibly do a major overhaul where it's essentially a brand new ride just with the same mechanisms. They might be able to do that. You know, I've, it's, it's been done before, um, not with Disney per se, but it's, uh, whatchamacallit, didn't they do the same thing at um, Islands of Adventure where they kind of took out the dueling dragons and they kind of replaced it with that, um, that Harry Potter world, I guess you can say? Yeah, they did retrofit the Wizarding World into that area. Yeah, they kind of just sure. they, they they just threw it in there and got rid of that 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 roller coaster was awesome. But like they got they got rid of it and and they you know yeah like like what you said they retrofitted it and and I don't know I could I can see Disney doing it. I mean they got they definitely got the money to do it. Why not right? Absolutely. <laughs> you know it's funny because I posted this story up on Facebook. I believe it was last night and. A number of people actually wrote back and were like, no, not my people mover, not my people mover. I love the people mover. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, the people mover is great. I really do enjoy it. It's, it's actually really nice because it almost has no weight. The weight line for the people mover is just the ride up the little escalator, which is <laughs> what was on fire. Yeah. So, <laughs> and you jump into the cart and away you go. It's actually very calming. If you can sit right, it's very comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, but it's really cool to see like the backside of Space Mountain and the backside of Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger Spin, all that kind of stuff. I think it is really cool. And plus it is Florida. It gets like 
100 degrees out and i don't think anybody wants to walk so <laughs> i mean you want to <laughs> if you want to take something convenient take the the uh the people mover might as well exactly but the back areas of buzz light your space ranger spin are actually where i'm getting my speculation that's where i'm going like well maybe this maybe they replace it or do a heavy overhaul on it because as much as i like it it's rough looking like mm-hmm. it doesn't look brand new which is frustrating for Tomorrowland because it's Tomorrowland. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, when they start doing it, it takes so long to implement something into the parks mm-hmm. that when they do it, it was brand new when they started working with it. But by the time they get it into the park, it's three, four, five years old. And you're like, well, you're already dated. However, these little robots and animatronics look like they're coming from the 1950s, man. Like they are. <laughs> They need to be updated. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, going on that Avatar ride, uh, the Navi River Cruise, I think that's what it was called, or the, or the boat ride. Yeah, you saw the animatronic of that that uh, shaman lady, and I that was like straight out of the movie. Like, they, I don't ha- have you seen that yet, dude? It's eerie. It, it literally gave me a nightmare the night I saw it. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's scary because. You saw like everything, like the arms, the legs, everything was moving, and it was like a real person, like right. Someone literally put makeup on and just started dancing, and that 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 was their job for people cruising by. And but no, like I I did research on it. It's like they did a lot of work, and they're starting to up their game in the animatronic scale. Well, they really are, man. Like you look at some of the the rides over in Shanghai. The animatronic work is bananas. Yeah. Like, especially on Pirates of the Caribbean. I am not one to go online and watch ride videos because hopefully the idea is for me to get to that park at some point and be able to experience it in person, you know? Yeah. However, the odds of me ever getting to Shanghai are pretty slim. California, maybe. Shanghai, it's doubtful. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it. And plus the, just the fervor, like you got to watch this. You got to watch this. You got to watch this. All right, fine. I'll check it out. To this day, there are two attractions in the entirety of Disney that I look at and I say, I don't know how they did that. That might as well genuinely be magic. (laughs) It's the ballroom scene in the haunted mansion when they're all dancing and having the party. Oh yeah. No idea how they do that. It is crazy to me. And the other one is Jack Sparrow in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. He's standing there and he's a skeleton and then just like pixie dust hits him and then he's not a skeleton anymore. Yeah, I just don't know how they do that. It's I don't crazy. Know how, I don't know how they do it either, man. But the things money can buy, man, and it's... It's crazy. I I did go on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. It was the updated version, I guess you can say. And um, you know, obviously, it just looked a little. It it still looked a little bit outdated. Sure. You know, you go to and that. it's going to. Yeah, and um, you know, some people might enjoy that because they're like, oh man, because you know, this is what people nostalgia. Yeah, the nostalgia of it, and um. That's what I think too. But then there are some some points of the ride you're like, okay, they really, really need to get that fixed, or they really need to uh, work on that. 
And the cool thing is, is that when you know when they add uh, when they added Jack Sparrow in it, he was probably the most realistic one. Yeah. Out of <laughs> out of all the animatronics in there, and um, I thought that was pretty neat. I thought that was really cool to see. Oh, it's really cool to see. And for a while, Jack Sparrow was the newest animatronic in there. And if I'm not mistaken, which obviously I could be, the redhead pirate, who's now a pirate now, though, we wants the redhead. Well, they changed that now to she is the redheaded pirate. And that, I know, is the newest animatronic, but I believe that one is the newest one since the Jack Sparrow animatronics. But like I said, I could be wrong. I mean, I don't think I... I don't know. It's been a, it's been a bit. It's probably been about, mm, I'd say, maybe nine months since I've been to Disney. Right. It's been a little bit, and um, I don't remember seeing one. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I do remember seeing the Jack Sparrow one, but other than that, I, I don't remember seeing the redheaded one. Yeah... It was one of those things that always stood out to me on that ride. So now that it's gone, it makes me a little sad. Just because it's like, oh man, like I remember that from my childhood, you know? Yeah. But, oh well. Like I understand why they changed it. I just didn't want to see it changed, you know? <laughs> well, now oh, well. it just exists in your memory. <laughs> exactly. And all over YouTube. Thank and God YouTube, for that. yes. I'm pretty sure you can search it up and you'll find it. <laughs> So, Timmy, is that then what you think they're going to do? Is they're going to retrofit it with a new ride entirely for the People Mover? That that could be something. I I'm, I'm I would be on board with that idea. What would you like to see them do with that area, considering that you know it is Tomorrowland? What could be in there? Mm, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff you can do with it. I know for for me personally, um, you know. Each time we've gone to Disney, Tomorrowland has was just super populated. There's just so many people there. Space Mountain, forget about it. Not even <laughs> gonna even try to wait online. Um, but as to like what other rides or other attractions they can put on there, I mean, sky's the limit for Disney. They got so much stuff they can do. The more I'm thinking about it, you know, I I do want them to update it, but I don't want them to update a whole heck of a lot of it. Because I do want to still be able to see into Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin. I do like hearing them talk about Monstropolis when we're going past that. I like that a lot. I love paging Dr. Morrow. Paging <laughs> Dr. Tom Morrow. It's great. It is. And I also love, 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 love that Epcot model. Which is what Walt wanted to do with Epcot. So I don't want to see that go away either. Really, the thing that I'm thinking about when I'm like, this thing needs to be updated, is the hairdryer thing that looks like it's from 1971 sci-fi movie. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's like, the thing goes over top of her head, and it comes up, and it's an entirely different hairdo, and like, you can get your hair done in five minutes, and then, whatever. (laughs) Like, if you updated that part, I wouldn't hate it. Anyway, let's move on. So, Timmy, we have talked about fires. In my last episode of Twilight Thoughts, I talked about a woman getting peed on. If you've been on Facebook, you have seen the videos of just the unending lines. <laughs> People were going to Epcot, and the the line of cars just kept going and kept going. 
it didn't stop. Like the the Epcot monorail turned off to go to Epcot before the line ended. It was insane. I was actually talking to some people on Facebook about that. Like, we should just go to Magic Kingdom and tailgate. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of playing the football games on the TVs, just, you know, play Disney movies or something like that. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. So, amongst record-breaking crowds, what can Disney not afford to happen? Technical difficulties. And that is exactly what they experienced. Disney had a packed house at Magic Kingdom. Monorails were coming in, dropping people off. Ferries were coming in, dropping people off. People were going for the baggage claim and then staying there because they couldn't move. The line to get into the park was backed up to the docks. And at that point, Disney just said, you know what? They're coming in, I guess, because we literally can't have them stand out here any longer without it being a fire hazard or without it being, you know, some kind of hazard. We have to move these people. Especially with the docks. I mean, that alone must be pretty crazy. The fact that all like these boat, you know, these these boats are taking people and then trying to unload them. And then realizing that there's like six inches of dock left. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, I don't, nope, nope, that's not going to happen. I, that, I don't see how this is going to work out. Yeah, that, that, that must be insane. So the ticket scanners were down, which means you couldn't scan a pass. You couldn't scan a magic band. The finger scanners were down, so you couldn't even take the fingerprint. They were just saying, well, go inside. So essentially, people got a free day at Magic Kingdom, which honestly, good I mean, for as busy as that park was, you're not getting anything done that day anyway. It's almost like a free preview of the park to be able to get like, oh, wow, that looks really fun and interesting. I wish I could do that experience on a day where it's less congested. (laughs) And then we'll do that. (laughs) This is just my plan for next week. Just to see, get the the layout of what I want to do. Exactly. <laughs> I feel bad, though, for the people who are only there for, like, the day. Like, oh, yeah, let's go to Disney. You know, we'll be there on January 3rd. It should be fairly quiet. Everyone has already gone to Disney for the New Year's. It'll be fine. And then this happens. <laughs> In fact, you get more people. Yeah, man. So, I don't know. I, I'm actually kind of happy that they did get a free day in the park because... Like I said, just what are you going to do with that many people? Like, you're going to a theme park literally just to stand in line. And see, I had heard a bunch of people saying that kind of nonsense. Like, oh, you know, you go you go to Disney and all you do is stand in line. I'm like, you're just doing it wrong. Like, you, you know, you're going at the wrong time of year. You're not hitting the rides right. And that's why you're just standing in line. But after seeing these crowds... There's nowhere for them to have gone. Like, it was insanity. Yeah, you're going to Disney just to stand in line. Essentially, you'd be standing in line just to walk down Main Street. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of surprised people didn't just accidentally end up in line with people waiting to get a photo. You know, because those are all down the center of Main Street, USA. So, you know, you just walk in and you're like, oh, look at these people taking forever. Oh, I'm in line to get a photo. (laughs) I thought this was the line for the refreshments. No. (laughs) I mean, like, I don't know. You got to keep in mind, too, that it is, it or it it was season, or it it is, I don't know if it still is. Oh, it's it's still season. It's still season, yeah. Don't you worry about that. (laughs) 
and you got all these people coming up from or coming down from from you know you know in the northern states and stuff and then you got people coming in, uh down from from Europe so you got all th- all those people plus the people here and it's just it's chaos it's a mosh pit <laughs> yeah and like you know record breaking attendance yeah actually just falls right into the next thing i wanted to talk about so to be able to get on the ride of star wars rise of the resistance you have to get your entire party into hollywood studios and then essentially make this thing called a boarding pass which is kind of like a fast pass but it just it's a virtual line queue for the entire day people have been getting up at just ungodly hours 4 4:30 5 o'clock in the morning and getting to Hollywood Studios very soon after that, just so they can get in line to make sure they can go ride this ride. Now, to be fair, I have heard this ride is stupendous. Just incredible, and I would very much like to ride it. However, Hollywood Studios has been opening at 7 o'clock, and on this day that it opened at 7 o'clock, the boarding passes for the entire day were sold out. By 7.23. Can you imagine that? Star Wars Rise of the Resistance can carry X number of people. For whatever reason, I think it's 24 people a cart. Oh, wow. That's a lot of people. (laughs) It is a lot of people. And granted, this is a very, very long ride. Is it it really a long ride? Yeah, I've heard it clocks in somewhere at like 22 minutes all said and done. Like you get on and off the the ride vehicle a number of times. Oh, so it's like an interactive ride. Like, I guess. (laughs) 22-minute ride? What? That's the reports. Like that's what I've been hearing. Yeah, dude, it's nuts. So it's a long ride, but it is taking a lot of people. Like 24 people, that's not a number to sneeze at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a significant amount of people. And yet the ride filled up for the entire day, closing, let's say, at 9 o'clock that evening by 7.23. But apparently you have to do that if you want to ride this ride. I don't think that's ever going to (laughs) happen. It's definitely not happening for me. And if it does, that means I stayed up all night, baby. I've tried to wake up early. It doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> I've, I, that was the original plan because I, I, I am going to be going to Disney this uh, next Saturday. But I'm, I, that was the plan to wake up at 5, but I don't think I want to do that anymore. Just the people who try to do it just end up shooting themselves in the foot. Well, could you imagine if you got there, let's say, at 5.30, and then it took you two hours to get your entire group into Hollywood Studios, it's 7.30, you go to make your boarding pass, and sorry, we're sold out. The entire day is gone. Sucks. It's brutal. I will say, I think that part of the problem might be that you just have to be inside the gate. So people are getting their entire group through, and then boom, 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 immediately making the boarding pass. Like, you don't even have to walk to the gates of Rise of Resistance. It's just right there at the main gate. It's kind of, kind of nuts. But that's how they're doing it. And I have heard very good things about it. Not the ride, but just the boarding pass system itself. Like, it works very well. Now, see, this is an interesting story. Because now when Galaxy's Edge opened and opened just with Smuggler's Run, people were saying, oh, 
Galaxy's Edge is an abject failure. There is no way that Disney's going to be able to recoup the losses that it took to build Galaxy's Edge. This is a travesty for Disney. Disney's thinking about closing down and rebranding it, which is lunacy. And now we're hearing stories about how this ride, Rise of the Resistance, is selling out essentially a 14-hour period in 23 minutes. I can't believe that. Like, I thought it was... Um, I remember when the when the Avatar-themed uh, part came out of to uh, Pandora and Pandora, yeah, and that was that that alone made people crazy. I mean, we tried to get fast passes and stuff, and you you have to pre-order them like six months in advance just to get your foot in the door, man. And that was ridiculous. I mean, eventually we got to the point where we did uh, get on the ride, which was fantastic, but you know. Um, it's just it's it's crazy. It's it's just the the um the amount of people that wait, you know, online for passes and for all that, man. It's it just it it blows my mind. Me too. And now Disney realizes this situation, right? They're they're not blind to it. They say, "Oh wow, we're selling out. This is crazy." So what they've been doing, like I said. They opened up at 7, and they've been opening up at 7 for a while now, and they were going to end that on the 4th. What they ended up doing was extending those 7 o'clock hours, right? So now if you go between January 17th and January 20th, you can go into Hollywood Studios at 7 o'clock in the morning. Not going those dates? Don't worry. January 24th to the 26th, you can go in at 7 o'clock a.m. on those days as well. I will say this for Disney. And I thought that Galaxy's Edge, when it was going to open back in August, was going to have a much busier, much more chaotic opening. And then it didn't. And I think that Disney was expecting these kind of numbers that we're seeing right now for Smuggler's Run. I gotta be honest, I think people got a little disheartened that they didn't see those numbers for Smuggler's Run. But they're getting a little bit happier that they're seeing them for Rise of the Resistance. So I applaud Disney for seeing a problem and addressing it. Mm-hmm. You know, because they could have been like, well, it sucks. Our park's open for 12 hours. Make it work, <laughs> stupid. You know? <laughs> no, they, they listened to, you know, to what the problem was and, you know, they, they want to fix it. So that's, that, that's pretty good on their part. Absolutely. They saw a demand and they met it. So good for them. Timmy, have you ever heard of the expression in business, if you're standing still, you're dying. I have. <laughs> All right. Well, good. <laughs> I have heard of that. Reason I bring it up is because one could say that by buying things for your business, you are expanding your business. And Disney is taking that quite literally <laughs> because it just bought 235 acres of land. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Holy crud. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Just west of Disney's Oak Trail Golf Course. My question is to you, at 235 acres, what do you think Disney is going to do with that area? Disney 2.0. Disney (laughs) (laughs) 2.0? I don't don't know, man. There's, dude, with 235 acres 
That's crazy. That is a lot of land. Understand this. Magic Kingdom is a hundred and I believe three acres in total. The entirety of Magic Kingdom. And they bought 235. So Disney 2.0, a fifth gate, it could be plausible. And a lot of people are speculating a fifth gate, a fifth gate, a fifth gate. My question is, what do you do with a fifth gate? Because me and Chris were talking a while back about, you know, maybe you could have done something with, you know, your ancillary products, right? Like Lucasfilms and Pixar and Marvel and bring all of those into one park and really go all out with these properties. I think that could be a lot of fun. However, we are getting the Ratatouille ride over in Epcot. We just got Galaxy's Edge opening in Disneyland and in Hollywood Studios. We have Marvel rides opening in Epcot and in Disneyland. So you couldn't really go ahead and say, all right, yeah, we are going to do a fifth gate with just these acquired properties and that be it. So what do you think that you would do with a fifth gate then, Timmy? I don't know, man. It's uh, There's a lot of stuff Disney's already doing. Um, like what you said before with Gal- Galaxy's Edge already uh, opened and ready. You know, they, you know, they got Pandora already. They have all these places. I, I don't know. I mean, they could easily go back in time and kind of do a, like a nostal- like a little bit uh, more of a nostalgia. Uh, like fifth a golden gate. age situation. Yeah, that could be cool. That, that, that I think that that's something that uh, you know, your Disney fanatic can appreciate. You know, if, especially if they, you know, kind of if they if they do something like that. Now, um, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, but there's you know, it's a new year. Uh, Disney is you know they they ha- they're they have ideas for the next several years. That includes movies, TV shows. I mean, it could be a whole nother themed park. It could be a whole nother like because you know, uh, I don't know how long how long ago it was they made their uh, their to- uh, Toy Story Land. Yeah. You know that's themed, and then you know you got like uh, like Magic Kingdom, and then all these other places. Could they base off um, you know that you know little bit of land? You know, could could they base that off of another movie? I don't know. We don't know. We're just going to have to wait. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And rumors about a fifth gate have been going crazy. Like, we've been wanting a fifth gate here in Orlando for a long, long time. Why? Honestly, because we're a little greedy. But that's beside (laughs) the point. We have the space to do it. Yeah. So, why not do it? That being said, a fifth gate, that's the sexy answer. You know, that's the answer that everyone wants to hear. Oh, yeah, you know, they could be doing a fifth gate. They could be doing a fifth gate. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. And it would, because who doesn't want more Disney? However, another option they could have, because they bought this, like I said, just west of Disney's Oak Trail Golf Course, is building another golf course. Yeah, how many golf courses do they need? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I saw like a ton of them last time I was there. I mean, I think your regular golf goers are are okay with what they got with when it comes to golfing. I mean, sure, but if you have a brand new course, 
you're going to be drawing in a bunch of new people because your average golf course is about 153 acres. So you use 153, you still have 100 left over. That is more than enough for parking and all that kind of stuff that you need. You know, like the clubhouse, all of that. Yeah. Maybe that works. Maybe that doesn't. Now, I cannot take credit for this idea because it wasn't mine. I was reading, and I was reading an article about their acquisition of this acreage, and unfortunately, I cannot remember the name of the paper. It was online somewhere, so I apologize about that. But they were saying that Disney is required to have X amount of property as a preserve, right? So Disney said... We have to have X amount of property as preserve. We want to use this property that is more inside the center of the Disney World Resort. So what we can do, we can use this property here, but we're just going to have to replace that property with new land that we can make for our preserve. Yeah. And so maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're opening up smaller chunks of land throughout the resort instead of one giant chunk of land where you could put a fifth gate, where you could put a golf course. I don't know. All this really tells me is that we're going to have more coming to the Walt Disney World Resort, and that's just terribly exciting to me. Timmy, if you could have one thing, you're like, listen, Bob Iger, I love you, buddy. One thing I want you to put in there, put this. What would you put in to just Disney World Resort in general? You know, I know this movie was really underrated and not a whole lot of people liked it, but Treasure Planet personally has been one of my favorite movies. Uh, we talked about that last time with the fan casting on who we, who we would pick and we kind of nerded out there <laughs> oh, yeah. a little bit. And um, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't come out with like a, a, like a ride or something, uh, like a, whether it was like, you know, like a 3D motion captured ride or... You know, something like that. I think that would would have been pretty cool. Like just something like space piratey. You know, I don't know. I I'm I'm I I've I've always uh, wondered about that. It would be cool. It would definitely be cool because there is a lot of potential there. But like you said, it's very underrated because it didn't perform very well at the box office. Yeah. Like because of that, you can see where Disney wouldn't be like, let's go ahead and spend millions of dollars to create this attraction for a ride for a movie that didn't really do the best. You exactly, know? exactly. And that's why I, you know, the probability of that is it, it, it just won't happen because, you know, yes, a lot of people liked it, but then a lot of people didn't like it. So you got a uh, a really mixed crowd there and, you know, it's whatever, but personally, I would like to see that. And also an actual Indiana Jones ride. I mean, that have, would be cool. They have a stunt show. I mean, each time I go to Disney, I always make it a, of like my, my goal to at least go to the stunt show. Do I've you been, really? I have been to the stunt shows and, and have uh, seen the stunt shows hundreds of times. Really? I love it. I it's It's cheesy, but you know what? It's... You know, just the beginning where Indiana Jones kind of just drops in. And he's like, you know, you know, uh, trying to evade all those booby traps. It's just so cool. It just brings out the that uh, five year old kid in me because Indiana Jones is my my all time 
uh, favorite like character. And I don't know. I, it's just, it's something that's always been a huge part of me and I, I appreciate it. Sure. Absolutely. I got my friends on that, uh, on that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His wife was not happy with me at all. In fact, she hit me a couple times like on her way being drug up to the stage by her husband, who is my friend. When she came back, she was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. That was so much fun. I'm so happy you did that to us. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good experience, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, it's not – you ain't meeting the real Indiana Jones, but, I mean, it's a stunt set. I mean, Exactly. You don't it's really awesome get to do, do that. that a whole lot. <laughs> For me personally, I'm going to dip into another underrated movie, which, you know, with the Internet, I might not think it's so underrated anymore – but the Emperor's New Groove. I would love to see Kuzco-topia open as a third water park. Oh, dude. Wouldn't that be I, cool? I didn't even think about that. I totally forgot. Because, uh, in the movie, that's what he wanted. Yeah. That's what Kuzco wanted. He wanted his own water slide and stuff. But like to have that as a water park. It would be so much fun. That would be great. I mean, the whole thing about Kuzco-topia was it was supposed to be his pool. So make that... A water park, like it makes so much sense. Come on, Disney, do it. It'll never happen. <laughs> Just be, I mean, because where does the the movie take place in Peru, right? Yeah. So they're just gonna. It's just It's a it's a water park that sells Peruvian food. I like I like it. I like it very much. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. I mean, I wow, I didn't even think about that, but now that you brought it brought it to my attention, <laughs> that actually sounds really cool. I would. I mean, yeah, even though the probability of that is very, very low, I would still like to see that. That, w- that would be really interesting. Mr. Iger, here are fervent pleas. Make Cusco-topia a water park in Walt Disney World. <laughs> Thank you, and good night. <laughs> and now, our feature presentation. All right, so... I got to be honest, these kind of mid-show transitions are a little awkward for me because I don't really know how to start them, but welcome to the featured presentation. What me and Timmy are going to be doing tonight is going through each of our top five Pixar movies, and this is the Pixar movie proper, right? Not the shorts or anything like that, the big heavy hitters from Pixar. The actual movies. Exactly. (laughs) So, this is my list. This is Timmy's list. They're not going to look like yours, but if you are so inclined, comment your top five because I would very much like to read them. Different Pixar movies mean so much to different people that I just find it fascinating. I, I find it so interesting. Like for me personally, and I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler for my list, Up does not crack my top ten. I personally do not care for Up. Oh, really? No, not really at all. However, I know that my brother Micah and his wife Renee love that movie. It's a good movie. I will say that. I mean, Uh, they love it, love it. I like, I really like the first 15 minutes of it, and then it starts to kind of go off the rails when they start getting into the whole adventure aspect. But when they're sticking on Carl and Ellie's marriage and their relationship, I think the movie is beautiful the part where you want to cry yourself to sleep yeah but there's so (laughs) much emotional weight in that scene that i don't feel comes into the rest of the movie 
Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the movies from Pixar that we don't necessarily care for. We are here to talk about our top five. Timmy, you are our guest, so go ahead, my friend. Give me your number five. My my number five will have to be Brave. I know it's not Brave. Yeah, it's really? it's really not a movie that um a lot of people would I would see have on that have on their uh their top five. I just like the movie because um you know, like I mentioned before in, in uh in the first podcast I did with you, I'm a uh I, I really love um attention to detail in movies and like graphics and all that. It's really, really cool. Sure. And the fact that this movie took place in, I believe it was Scotland. Right. Uh, you know, they got they got the scenery down. And, you know, like you got the the hills and the grasslands and the water and it just looked so real and it, it was great. And the music uh that went along with it was was really good too. But just I don't know, the story was very, very uh um was really captivating to me. And I I really enjoyed that movie a lot. I like Brave a lot too. I like Brave more than I think most people do. Uh definitely doesn't crack my top five. So I'm kind of surprised to hear it in your top five. But man, it is a funny yeah, it's movie. It's hilarious. I love those it. three little kids, the the three brothers are mm, they're perfection. They're <laughs> phenomenal. I, that's that's probably the uh one of the re- that's that's definitely one of the reasons why I I like that movie. It's, um, but yeah, like it had a lot of comedy in it, and like every other Pixar movie. I mean, without comedy, I mean, it's, it's, I don't even think it's worthy to even be a Pixar film. But uh, yeah, it had the right amount of comedy. It it definitely tugged at the heartstrings uh, uh, towards the um, uh, towards the ending. But it's also a really good adventure film as well. So it I mean, is. If you're really into, you know, finding that really good, um, you know, adventure adventure movie, that I think that one is a really good pick for that. You know what else I feel like kind of gets like swept under the rug with this movie is the score. I love oh, the, the score's music amazing. in this movie. Even like the odd songs where they actually have lyrics playing during the music. Mm-hmm. I still like them. You know what I'm saying? Like it had bagpipes in it. Exactly. <laughs> How do you great. not like that? <laughs> it's it's it, that's why I, that's that's another reason why I like. It. I'm like, wow, they they really when when they uh you know when they do a movie, you know when it's like in in, an, in another country, you you start to see that they start to get the music um from that. I wouldn't say the music from that country, but they want they they, they want you to make you feel involved in it. Of and course, to make you feel immersed. Well, like because then act- it feels authentic. Yeah. So, you know, once they threw in the bagpipes, I'm like, all right, I'm going to like this movie already. I just love it. (laughs) My number five is probably lower on the list than most of our listeners will have this movie. It's directed by John Lasseter. It is the granddaddy of every single Pixar movie. It's Toy Story. I love Toy Story. Like, I really feel like Toy Story being number five on my list is just a testament to how many good movies Pixar just cranks out. It's a machine. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing. You know, like, I don't know how they do it that consistently that often, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. 
But man, just being introduced to Woody and Buzz, Bo Peep, Slink Dog, the entire gang of toys, that we are now 20 years into this franchise. It brings a smile to my heart. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The fact that it's still continuing. I mean, I don't know if, if Toy Story 4 will be the last one. Maybe oh, it is. absolutely not. Uh, yeah, because, <laughs> you know, you know there, there are people like us who've, you know, who have seen, you know, the original movies and stuff. But then, you know, as the sequels come out, you know, it, it's really cool how they, they're, they're keeping it alive. And they're also introducing it to newer audiences or, or, or kids in this case who haven't, uh, who haven't grown up with the originals. And they're also staying true to this original movie. You know, this original movie is about... One toy dealing with almost a midlife crisis, you know? Yeah. He has to deal with a massive change to his world that he obviously did not want to deal with. Yeah. And just everything about this movie is iconic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just everything from the voice acting. A lot of people, when they think of Tim Allen, they don't think of home improvement. You no, know what I'm saying? They think of Buzz. Exactly. <laughs> they don't think of Last Man Standing. It's Buzz Lightyear or Bust, man. It is Buzz. Yeah. Don't even, even like, man, like, Tom Hanks, I don't care what role you put him in. He's a phenomenal actor. And he's a... and. It's just it's Woody. Exactly. <laughs> Tom Hanks is Woody, and he just I every every time every time I hear his voice, I'm like, oh, it just immediately takes me back. And that's another one, man. With the music, it's scored by Randy Newman. Again, it it's an odd movie where there's songs that have lyrics in the song that are pertaining to the scene, but it's not a musical, you know. Growing yeah. up on Disney, I am very used to a lot of things being musicals, even though they maybe not should have been. Yeah. But this, like we have the one song where Buzz is trying to fly out of the window of Sid's house. Yeah. Like, that is a lot. Like, what's interesting is Pixar has never made kids' movies. They've made movies that kids enjoy, but they have never made kids' movies. Right. Because... A five-year-old, because let's see, Toy Story came out in 1995, which would have put me at six. And I actually remember seeing this movie multiple times in theaters. A kid doesn't understand what is happening to Buzz. They don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't understand the complex train of thought that's just rifling through Buzz's head while he's falling. But an adult, they get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you mean. A kid can follow along like, oh no, Buzz is falling. He actually can't fly. This is terrible. <laughs> but they don't realize it is sending him into an existential crisis <laughs> where he is now catatonic. <laughs> <laughs> not e like not even like the whole thing with falling. Like that was definitely uh, a part that, you know, put him in that in that um I guess feeling, but um knowing that he wasn't the only Buzz. Because he thought he yes. was the only one. He thought he was the only Buzz Lightyear. But when he found out that there were hundreds of 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 the same Buzz that are, that are the same as him, that's when he was just like, "Oh God, I, I give up. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's done. I'm over." 
when he flipped open his communicator and he found the Made in China stamp, like, you could tell on his face that that broke his heart. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you felt for this little toy. Yeah. And, you and like, he had a mission to, oh, from, yes. from Star Command. That was what he, you know, his mission. Well, I forgot. What what was his mission for again? I, I know he had. Oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's to, obviously to, to stop the evil Emperor Zerg. Zerg, yeah. But like, yeah, like once he found out that that little laser beam didn't work and it was just pointing it at Woody and Woody's like, okay, it's not affecting me, obviously. But yeah, it's, they really did go into the depth, even though it's a toy, it's as simple as a toy. It just shows you that like, wow, that like, you know, this is really hitting, hitting hard in the feels. (laughs) But who didn't do that? Like who didn't leave their room as a kid? With all of their toys spread all across their floor, going, I wonder what's going to happen when I leave my room. You know? Mm-hmm. Odds are, yeah, they're inanimate, but <laughs> maybe, just maybe I'm lucky. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I am the Andy of the real world. Mm-hmm. Maybe my toys have sentience. Yeah, only, only kids with, like, an imagination. <laughs> like, just, like... <laughs> A really strong imagination, you know. I never really thought that as a kid when I was playing with my action figures. But really, I never thought that they would come alive. No, oh, <laughs> man, I wanted I wanted them to be alive so badly. But I mean, I had movies in my life like Toy Story. I had movies in my life like Indian in the Cupboard. That's what I was gonna mention. Man. I was like Indian in the Cupboard, another good. Uh, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say an exact replica of the or exact um, version of the movie, but it's it's similar. Yeah, it's similar. Where you know, little plastic toys are coming to life. And you know what other movie I get reminded of Toy Story of when I watch the said movie is Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, because of Calhoun. Calhoun, like when the when the sergeant from Heroes Duty says she's programmed with the most depressing backstory ever, <laughs> and she. To her, she's lived it, even though she has no physical memory of ever having this marriage or this relationship. She feels it. She's in it. She knows it. And that reminds me of Buzz Lightyear with Sarkaman and Zerg and all of that. And so going through these movies, we can see how much Toy Story has actually affected just cinema in general. That makes me smile. Yeah, same here. (laughs) Timmy, what's your number four, buddy? My number four, um, I'm putting down a, a Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. It is, that movie's good, man. I remember uh, uh, I, I went to go see that movie in theaters. Uh, it was my parents and my brothers. I believe my cousin and his parents went. But I remember uh, just the, 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 fir- the, the intro when Coral gets killed by this barracuda. <laughs> it's dark, dude. It's, it's dark. dark. It is dark. It is dark. And I'm looking around I'm like like I just I remember being a like a, a kid. I'm and I was kind of freaked out by it because like I don't know about you. The ocean's a scary place. It's terrifying. The ocean is a very scary place and um you know, I'm. I can probably say the same thing for for other kids. I mean, seeing a barracuda strike like up because there, there was a, a shot in the movie. It's just teeth, and I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, that's not very settling at all. And uh, but like, yeah, that that movie 
was really good. And I liked how they switched it up too because it's, it's, it's a movie that takes place in, you know, I know it's kind of funny, but in a, in a, a fishy's point of view. <laughs> right. You know, they're underwater and it shows what they have to deal with. It's so funny how I'm actually putting so much feeling in a movie about fish. But um, but yeah, that's what Pixar's best at, man. They they, take something that has maybe no emotion or very little emotion and just cram it full of emotion. You're like, all right, Pixar, you win. You've broken me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. It's like every every time, uh, you know, you you go fishing and you get a fish. Like, oh, wow, this could be their version of Nemo. Like, mm-hmm. oh boy, I think I just stole their kid. <laughs> Should probably put him back in the water. But yeah, like that that movie was really good. Um oh man. It was that that movie was was super good. I, I appreciated it. I'm pretty sure other people did as well. Um the sequel to it, however, uh Finding Dory. Yeah. I didn't really get a whole lot of like satisfaction out of it. I mean, it, it really didn't it just it didn't really Excuse do anything. Excuse me? me. Not really. Not a whole lot. Not as much as Finding Nemo. Finding Dory was all right. It was all right. Man, baby Dory. Okay, that was adorable. It, but like, like I, said, I said, the movie was so all cute. right. But, but other than that, I, I just I, think I just think um, that Finding Nemo for me, I, I appreciated more. Yeah, I liked Finding Nemo. I like Finding Nemo now more as I grew up. Like, that's what I feel like, that's what I'm learning about a lot of Pixar movies is I appreciate them now more as an adult than I did as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying a minute ago about how Pixar doesn't make kids movies, they make kid-friendly movies. Yeah. So when I was a kid, you know, I'd watch Finding Nemo and I'd catch very surface-level stuff. Then as a teenager, I'd catch even more stuff. I'm like... Oh, that's interesting. I don't remember that being in this movie. Then as an adult, you're like, all right, I'm at the very bottom of everything I can get out of this movie, and it is so deep. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good, and I, I appreciate it way more because it used to be near the bottom of my list for Pixar movies. Then it came out with The Good Dinosaur, and I was like, don't worry, Finding Nemo. You're safe. <laughs> you're good to go. This is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> my number four is a sequel. My number four has to do with a gang of friends who get thrown in jail. One of them realizes what's going to happen before anything actually bad happens, and they escape. And then they realize, hey, I have to go back and save my friends because something terrible is about to happen to them. And of course, that movie is Toy Story 3. Look, that movie is so intense the entire time. It's a jailbreak movie. It is. That's what that movie is, and I love Pixar for doing it. Such a dark side to these toys. Every time I think of Toy Story, man, I kick myself. Because there was a time, about 2009, 2010, where I did not go and see every Disney movie that came out, every Pixar movie that came out. Now, there's two movies that came out near the same time as each other that I, just, I kick myself to this day that I did not get to see in theaters on the initial run. The first one was Tangled, 
because those trailers were awful. And the second one is Toy Story 3. I tried so hard to get to the theater to see Toy Story 3 because I really wanted to see it, and I just missed it. I just could not, for whatever reason, make it to the theater to see this movie. And it bums me out. I still have yet, to this day, see this movie in the theater. And, quite honestly, I'm kind of happy I didn't, just because of that last scene. Ooh. Where Andy's giving those toys away. Oh, yeah. That. It's so dang sad. Like, it'll hit you hard, hard, man. It will hit you hard. I, I didn't go see it in, 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 the, uh, in the movie theater. Uh, we rented it on Redbox, I believe. Right. And, um, yeah, it was, it was me and my, my brothers. I believe my mom was there to watch it. And that part, like, I, I tried my best to kind of just hide my face during that part because yeah. just grab a pillow and kind of just, like, block everybody out. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it really, really is, is. A, a, a sad part because it's, you know, for the first you know the first two movies it's you know you we don't get to see Andy a whole lot like he's not the main character but he is in the movie oh yeah and and, and, and you're the toys, the toys are talking about, about him all the time yeah because you know Andy you know th- those are his toys he sure. he's, he's the owner he, you know right under um the the horse's legs he he wrote his his name exactly you know he 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 did that to to all of his toys and then all of a sudden, you know, when when he's giving them away, you know, it's a it's a, it, you know, he's going to college, he's growing up, you know. There comes a point uh, in time where, you know, where he's not going to be able to play with his toys as much anymore. So he wants to be able to give it to somebody who will appreciate it. And, um, you know, this this uh, this little girl who was. I can't. I don't, I don't really know what her age was, but around the same age Andy was when he was uh, playing with his toys. So I, I think that was the one thing that really got me was because he's kind of just just giving giving his toys and and everything that he had to her because he knew that he that she would appreciate it, and and she did. Oh yeah, and the toys appreciated it too because. The entire movie, you see this desperation that the toys have to be played with. Mm-hmm. Not even be played with, but be played with by Andy. Yeah. yeah. The movie starts with the toys trying to scam him into playing with them. Yeah. Rex is ecstatic. He's like, he picked me up. He picked me up. <laughs> it's hysterical. But it's they want it so badly. They're craving this attention. And they're not getting it. And so then at the end of the movie, when you find out and you realize, wow, Andy does still care about these toys as much as these toys care about Andy. Yeah. And then you see him playing with them. All right. I know what this means to these characters. And they did such a good job of setting it up, even across all three of the films. Yeah. Because, like I said, Andy is always being talked about in those first two films. So, man, like that scene is so devastatingly sad to me. (laughs) Like everyone was freaking out about the furnace. Like, oh my God, the the toys are going to burn up in the furnace. I'll be completely honest with you. If Disney and Pixar had allowed that to happen where they did die in that furnace, 
I would have given them a standing ovation <laughs> because that had been ballsy. You know what I'm saying? That would have yeah. been so gutsy of them to do. And yet, watching that scene, I was just saying, no, there is no chance on the planet that we see this scene end with Buzz, Woody, Jesse, and all of them falling into the furnace. Yeah. It just It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. I don't believe you for a moment. You did not get me. Yeah. Like, I... I I knew that they were going to be saved. It was just the setup to that point. You know, it's a very climactic point in the movie. And yeah, for us, since we're a little bit older than 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 uh you know the kids that are seeing this movie, they think they're they're the ones thinking that they're gonna die, that they're gonna be incinerated. We're gonna we're we're the it's ones. Possible. There are the you know there are you know smarter kids out there. They're like ah you know what. They're gonna get saved. There's no problem, but um, seeing that part, it really did give me a little like anxiety. I was like, "Wow, are they, they're really gonna do this? They're really gonna do this?" I was like, oh, "They're they're they're, they're gonna get incinerated." But um, it, it, I think that that was their goal. That they, they they really wanted to set everybody up, especially the ones who've you know been around for those movies, and just like like. Pretty much like they're they're playing this joke like oh you better say goodbye because these guys are gonna be gone forever but don't worry like it's we're all good we're, we're 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 not gonna kill them off but just just that 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 little scene just of them just slowly going down into this pit that was a pretty intense scene it it, it really was for me absolutely man tell me what is your number three my number three is um, Inside Out. All right. It's that movie was so good, man. It's my number 2. I freaking love that movie. It's a very good movie. I watched it uh actually I think yesterday. Yeah, I, w- I watched it yesterday. And man, that gets me every time. Does it really? It gets, gets me, me every time and I just love um the uh you know the the certain aspect they they wanted to go for. It's like you know, like I, I like how there's different emotions and each emotion plays their part. Like anger, anger the T funniest character in that in that movie. Him and fear, both of them are just so incredibly funny. I die laughing every time I see him uh fear trying to make a suggestion, anger just grabs him, smashes his head against the board and throws him and just just flames just shoot out of his head. Well, and you know what makes those two characters, and really the all of the emotions, what makes them so good is the voice act. Oh, yeah. The voice acting in that movie, I feel, I feel Pixar really went to the next level for this movie with their voice acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll have to agree with you on that one. I mean, it, it's inspired casting, really, to cast Anger with Louis Black. Because if anybody knows his stand-up comedy, it is A, very, very funny, and B, extremely angry. (laughs) Yeah. One of his albums is called Old Yeller, and that's accurate. (laughs) (laughs) But even, like, Bill Hader. Bill Hader does an excellent job. Who, Who does he play as again? He's Fear. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And then I always get really, really concerned because I really did not like her in the office, and I just find 
I just found her character annoying. But Mindy Kaling as was disgust. really really good as disgust. Yeah, I mean she was kind of like that in the office already. But <laughs> That's fair. I mean, but, but like, like uh, yeah, she she did a really good job. I it was yeah she she really portrayed that pretty well, and um, even um, God, what's her name? I keep forgetting her name. She's the one who played Joy. I know. Ever since we started talking about. Inside Out. I have been trying to think of who it is. Amy Poehler. Yes, yes, that's it. That's her name. Uh, I've I've seen her in um, Parks and Rec, which is an, another fantastic show, and it was hilarious. Like I, every time I I, I saw her or I, I heard her speaking, I'm like, that's Leslie. That's Leslie <laughs> from Parks and Rec. But she did a really good job at it because in in Parks and Rec, she plays a very um, energetic person she's she's very positive and you know she's just very energetic in, in what she does you know she cares about her jobs she cares about the people and then you know they they choose her to be to to match a uh an emotion that perfectly describes her and and and, and she's just so like energetic all the time and it's hilarious i love it and um i i, I thought they they uh chose a really good uh person to uh to do that role Man, I love the scene where she puts sadness in the sadness circle. <laughs> just slowly, slowly pushing, pushing her, her little foot just, just in the circle. <laughs> I I thought that was funny. Oh, it's so good. We haven't even touched on Bing Bong or oh, any of the other characters, really. Riley. Riley is such a great character in this movie because she's kind of a blank slate, yeah. you know? But that's exactly what you want in this kind of movie because... Riley is your main character, but she's also not your main character. Yeah. yeah. The main character are the emotions inside her head, but Riley is the human character that we're following the entire movie. Yeah. Who cannot relate to a situation where you are sad, you're depressed, whatever's happening, you don't want to be happening, but you have to act like it's okay. Yeah. You can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. And then everybody, there, there was a lot of that in that movie, yes. and, I, and I thought that that was something that stuck out to me, but it also stuck out to a lot of people as well, because a lot of people do feel like that, you know, in in their in their lives at one at one point in time, and um, yeah, I I just thought, especially in the ending, you know, when it when uh, she was uh, really thinking, or she she acted Action on ran away, she, yeah, yeah, she acted on her plan. Which anger, you know, kind of like influenced her on, and um, she actually did it. Like she ran away, or was close to running away at least. But then once, you know, uh, you know, inside her head, you know, th- those places started to get rebuilt. You know, she she started to realize that it was a bad decision. So right, I thought that that was a very very sad part. And then you come to realize that sadness isn't useless. She's useful during the times where. You know when it's okay to be sad. She's necessary. Yeah, she she's a very necessary emotion because in the beginning she kept touching all the core memories, and everybody was like, "Stop it! Don't do that!" Because you're gonna make a happy memory become sad. But then you know she kept complaining that oh I'm useless. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to walk. And and then you find out at the end of the movie that there is a a, a use for her, and it's it's a, a very important emotion. Absolutely. I've seen a number of movies multiple times in theaters. I'm not even going to lie about that. I see a lot of movies. 
there has only been one movie that I have seen on a Friday and then went back to on Saturday. And it was Inside Out. Really? Dude, I, I loved the movie. The first time I watched it, I was like, this movie's fantastic. Second time I watched it, I was like, this movie's even better. <laughs> it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, but Michael Giacchino, it's like he was trying to save his life with this score because it is so good. It is it's really good. good. And anybody who's listened to my show for a little while knows that I love it. It's the theme for Twilight Thoughts. <laughs> I, oh man, I love his score on this movie. There's a couple movies that I'll just start humming the theme out of nowhere. E.T. being one of them, Jurassic Park being another one. Back, Back to the Future for me, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, the theme song is so catchy, man. I love it. Inside Out, it crops up probably two or three, maybe four times a week. <laughs> I love the music in this movie. Like, something had to be very, very, very special to me to make Inside Out number two. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I did not expect for Pixar to come out and drop such an amazing movie this late in their run. Yeah. So, my hat is off, Pixar. My number three movie is another movie that I like quite a bit. Obviously, it's my number three. is Ratatouille. I mean, I personally, I haven't, a lot of people probably hate me for this, but I only saw the movie once, and I was like, maybe, I think it was like nine or ten when I when the, when this movie came out, and um, I watched it once, and I I remember some scenes of it, but I don't remember enough to go like this was my favorite scene, and I feel really bad about that because then pe- people kind of give me crap for that and they're like why haven't you seen ratatouille i'm like i'm sorry i don't know but um i'm, I'm happy that they have it on disney plus so whenever i get the chance i'm definitely going to rewatch it you definitely should man i mean remy is voiced by pat oswald i mean come on oh yeah he's he's a fantastic comedian he's awesome. remy the rat is the logo the icon nay the draw of the food and wine festival <laughs> <laughs> Well, the movie, I, I I do remember the movie was about food. And that's probably just... why I loved it. <laughs> for, all, for all the foodies out there, yes, this movie is for you. Well, not only do I love eating food, but I genuinely love to make food. Yeah. Like, I make food all the time. I find it as a very, very strong de-stressor for me because, in my mind, cooking is one of the single most creative things a person can do. Yeah, it's an art. It absolutely is. Take this podcast, for example. I'm speaking. Somebody else, our listeners, are going to take this podcast in by listening to it. I know that as I'm speaking, what I'm saying, I know how my sentences are formed, I know the cadence in which I'm saying them, the pace at which I'm saying them, all of that. My listeners hear it, and it goes in their ear, and it's done. We're cooking... You have to have so many outside sources coming together, all of the ingredients in the food. You have to know what each one of those ingredients tastes like in order to bring it together in a pot or into a pan and make sure that they blend well, make sure that they blend in a pleasing way. You need to know how much to put in of what. Like, it's incredible. And then, after you've cooked it, 
you've used literally all of your other senses. Sight, smell, touch, maybe a little bit of taste, depending upon who's the cook and who you're feeding. But then that piece of art goes to another person and then they take it in. Like, they see it, they smell it, they touch it, sure. But the main way they take that piece of art in is orally, through the mouth, and they use their sen- their sense of taste. It takes everything into consideration when you cook to make good food. That was so extremely I'm... descriptive, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very passionate about cooking. I love it. I can it. tell. <laughs> I, I remember a friend of mine was on Facebook one time, and she's like, I just made Sloppy Joe's. And I said, well, did you make them or did you make them out of a can? And she goes, I actually made them. I said, that's amazing. I said, did you follow a recipe or did you just wing it? She goes, I winged it. I said, that right there is the most creative thing a person can do. And I went into that little spiel like I just did. She goes, I can't tell if you're being serious or sarcastic. I said, I'm being genuinely very, very serious. <laughs> I am for real right now. <laughs> but it's cool for me as a person who loves cooking, like, Cooking isn't really glorified in movies very often. I mean, you have a movie like Ratatouille, sure, but then it was years after that that we finally got another movie that was Chef, right? John John Favreau's Chef. Oh, that was a that's really good. That was a good movie. Right, and I'm sure that there's other movies in there about cooking that I missed or I just unaware of, whatever. But what I'm saying is, it's not your action adventure. You know what I'm saying? So when I get to see a movie where I'm like. I identify with the main character because they have a crazy love of cooking and a crazy love of food. I get that. It makes me happy. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, I love Ratatouille. because Not only that, but then you have the whole aspect of Remy's relationship with his dad. It's not really the best throughout the entire movie. The dad just wants Remy to do what he's always done as a rat. Be a rat. He wants him to be in a box and conform. But that's not what Remy wants to do. And when he strikes out on his own and he's actually happy, well, then his dad sees that and he comes around. And he goes, you know what? I was wrong. Like, it is such a great movie. And let's, you, it's not even touching on Anton Ego and how great of a character he is in the movie. I love this movie, dude. I really do. Like... <laughs> Like, three, two, and one are so stinking close for me that they really could be interchangeable. They're not, but they could be, and I would be accepting of it. But, man, I, I love Ratatouille. Nah, and, and after that very, 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 you know, crazy description of what you just gave out, <laughs> uh, I, I it's making me really want to watch the movie because I'm like, okay, you know what? Now that you went into that description, I really need to see it now. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's poetic, really. And it's even the way Remy is explaining the different foods coming together and the visualizations that they give to, like, the cheese and then the strawberry <laughs> and then the cheese and the strawberry coming together. Like, it's beautiful. I love that movie. <laughs> Timmy, what's your number two, dude? We can talk about Rat- Ratatouille all night. <laughs> My uh my number two is uh The Incredibles. Now is that The Incredibles or Incredibles two? I'm gonna have to say the first one, Incredibles. The 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 yeah the first one. That is understandable. That movie is amazing. 
it's 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 so good man i i'm it's really cool how they they uh the perspective of superheroes um you know they they kind of put you in um at first they do you know like yeah superheroes are are part of the world and they're helping people but then um then it you you start to see you know the really dark side of people and they start to say like oh superheroes are terrible it's no more superheroes no more and then there's mobs outside and they're creating riots and stuff and it's like then all of a sudden you see superheroes you know they start to be uh you know everything becomes everything gets deactivated and right superheroes. and superheroes go into hiding and i love that concept because it's like who's gonna be who's who's gonna save the world now what's gonna happen when there are bad guys out there and there's no there's no one there to save the day who watches the incredibles yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i i i thought you know that that concept was good and it was really well thought out and um especially with mr uh incredibles character uh you know they show him he's like in really good shape He's saving people and like it shows him years later and he's just he's out of shape <laughs> working at a job that he very obvious like it, it shows him shows him that he he hates this job very and, much and so yeah yeah <laughs> he hates this to like this job to death and uh you know and then he's in his boss's office and it you know it, he looks over and outside and there's someone getting mugged and he's his urge to want to help and and want to you know fight those criminals is very strong but he couldn't and, and i will say that scene has one of the funnier moments in this <laughs> movie it's like the mugger got away it's like well let's hope we don't insure him <laughs> Funny thing too, you were about to lose your job. It just gets like choke, like just his hand grappling onto that little man's neck, and just chucks him through like eight walls. Oh, that scene is so funny. I love it, and it's really good too because it's one of the more cartoony scenes in the movie where his whole face is squished into this little part of, you know, his head. Yeah, and then he just goes launching through all these walls. Like it is very. Chuck Jones, Tex Avery style cartoon, but it works within this movie, man. It was great. It was really good. And um, another good character is Edna, man. You can't get, you can't go wrong with Edna. She is. Is she the best character in this movie? I would have to say, man, she's awesome. She's in. She may not be like an actual superhero, but the thing she does to makes to uh, that. Uh, to make or to help out uh superheroes become super you know she you know like how to identify them as superheroes you know she's the one responsible for making the suits and the technology and and not only that she's hilarious she's really good she's so fun every scene that i see i you know that uh that i saw her in, in that movie it was just laughter i i i loved it and even in the second movie um, I was happy that she she was in it. I was I was about to say if she wasn't in it, that would have really sucked. But well, no, I think no. they used her the perfect amount in the second movie. Like you have a breakout character like Edna Mode in The Incredibles. We saw this with Cars. In Cars, everybody loved Mater, right? Oh, Mater's so great. Mater's so funny. Yeah. 
let's make Mater the main character of Cars 2, and you really shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Because it's awful. Minions, the Minions were great in Despicable Me and Despicable Me 2. Despicable Me, th- Despicable Me 3, they were funny in as well. They get their own movie. Not the best. Yeah, it wasn't really... Why? Because the they're secondary characters. They shouldn't be in the movie very much. They're supporting characters. They're there to support the main character. And that's exactly what they did with Edna in this second movie. And almost to the letter, where she actually just comes in and supports Bob by watching Baby (laughs) Jack-Jack. And just a real quick gripe about Disney+. Plus: Opening day, November 12th, 2019. Disney Plus had the short of Edna watching Baby Jack-Jack. And I watched it, and it was beautiful, and it was really funny. <laughs> I I still haven't even seen that one. And you, and, and you can't, because they took it off the following week. What? I know. I'm irritated. Bring it back, Disney. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm pretty sure you probably find oh, it I guarantee you it's on YouTube. But, I mean, if you can watch it in high definition, why not? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, but all all in all, I I really loved this movie. This movie was great. It, I I watched this movie in theaters, or um, uh, my parents uh, took us uh, to go watch it after school. And this was something that we were waiting for. We we watched the trailers and we were like, okay, superheroes, I'm in. You know, you know, like <laughs> we, we, we've 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 been, we've been superheroes you know, say no more. <laughs> we we've been huge fans of you know like the DC and 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 uh you know Marvel comics and stuff, but that was its own thing. You know that was Warner Brothers. You know at least on DC's part, and then Marvel was you know Marvel. It was it was it was its own thing, but to finally you know for for Disney Pixar to have their own uh version of superheroes, it was like all right. I'm in like I, I'm I'm really interested into seeing you know how they're gonna go about it and it was good I I still talk about it to this day uh, with 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 my friends so it's it's a good movie How uh, old were you when that movie came out to me What year did it come out <laughs> I think it came out in 2004 Yeah I was in elementary dude <laughs> All right elementary school and you just said you were very excited to see the movie Yes Yes Why Superheroes. Superheroes. <laughs> very quick, very clean answer. That movie is not about superheroes. That movie is about Bob Parr <laughs> having a midlife crisis and having to deal with said midlife crisis yeah. and making very poor choices. Matter of fact, a very good chunk of this movie has to do with Elastigirl thinking that Mr. Incredible is cheating on her. That's not a kid's movie. No, it's not. That's not a movie that most, you know, elementary school kids would be interested in seeing. An elementary-aged kid doesn't want to go see Infernal Affairs or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wants to go see a superhero movie. So Pixar wraps this very mature story in the packaging of superheroes so adults can enjoy the story that they're being given and kids can really appreciate the superhero aspect. Well, like you mentioned before, it's a kid-friendly movie. Right. So, you know, there's going to be some references that kids won't get, but adults will. Exactly. And, and, you know, like you mentioned before with, you know, 
uh, Elastigirl thinking that Bob was cheating on her. In reality, he really wanted to just save people. He really wanted to go back and and, and be the hero that he he uh, used to be. And um, you know, and with that, <laughs> uh, his uh, his kids end up joining that adventure, and then it's just a giant family argument that they're having. It's 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 so awesome. It is so great, and I I love that movie. I I'll I'll watch that movie any day. Mr. Incredible got busy. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's ridiculous. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Timmy. We've already discussed my number two being Inside Out. So what is your number one? My number one is Monsters, Inc. Get out of my head, man. Get out of my head. Monsters, Inc., man. It, it is so good. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> And Sully, the perfect team, and I, I just I like how they they uh, even though this takes place in a monsters world or a technically like Monstropolis, yeah, yeah, Monstropolis, it's their own society and stuff. It's it's the same as how we would go about in our society. Right. It's just, it, but that it's really cool how they 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 get up, they go to work, they they do all that, and um, yeah, man, it was just. That movie's hilarious. I I absolutely love that movie. And then once they finally find Boo, it's that scene where Boo is in the apartment with them, and uh, what's it called? Um, Mike Wazowski ends up spraying himself <laughs> in his, in his with eye disinfectant. with the disinfectant, yeah. and just it's all chaos. Like then uh, you know they find out, or I wouldn't say they find out, but like. Boo is starts to cry and the electricity starts to like all, like all the amps start to go up and then finally she starts laughing and and uh the lights go out because <laughs> the uh the electricity is um what well, it's fueled by kids right the kids it's screams fueled by emotion. by emotion yeah yeah so they're so. using scream power because they look so frightening to little kids to you know power monstropolis come to find out hey if we make the kids laugh it's 10 times stronger than scream let's go ahead and do that man it is such a clever idea just the idea of monsters inc yeah yeah it's really it just amazes me how they come up with stuff like this like they lock themselves in a door or like in in their in a room and they're just like okay ideas people we need them and then this and, and and they just they come up and they you know they collaborate and they and they come up with this really good story and um you know they come up with the characters and all that it's it's just it's really really mind blowing on how they do it and um i thought it was really interesting on uh you know when they when they go into depth on uh the boss of or the or the um water news yeah yeah and like he like he he banished uh Mike and Sully. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like he there's this unknown door that leads to an unknown location, gets banished, and then they're in the in the in the in the Himalayas and they meet the abominable the the abominable snowman. I thought that was hysterical, but like it's just crazy. It's really crazy to wrap your mind around it too. That like it's a it's like dimensions, right? I would, I would 
say it, it, yeah, the dimensions they're kind of traveling right? through, right? Yeah, the way it has been thought of recently. So it used to be thought of as time travel, but now people are thinking of it more as the monsters reaching over into other dimensions, maybe parallel Earths, to get back in time. Yeah. So now it's interesting because you keep saying it's crazy, it's crazy, it's a crazy concept. And it is crazy, but that's not why it's my number one. It's my number one because you took a concept that is crazy, but executed it so well and just stuffed it with so much heart. Mm -hmm. The relationship that Sully forms with Boo is adorable. It's a whole nother level, man. It really is. Because remember in remember when we were talking about Toy Story 3? I was like, man, it was really sad when Andy was giving his toys away. Yeah. And it is. It is terribly sad. It is not as sad as when Boo jumps up at the end of the movie and runs to the closet, flings open the door and goes, Kitty! And she's not there. And he, when he turns around, he's like, Goodbye, boo. You're like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Don't do this. Yeah. Um, like, the character interactions and the relationships are just so genuine in the movie. John Goodman crushes oh, yeah. it yeah, as man, Sully. Sully. He, he, Billy he Crystal. Really, really good. Yeah. Billy Crystal is fantastic as Mike. Like, if you're going to have a comedic character... Why would you not want Billy Crystal to play your comedic <laughs> character? It makes perfect sense. Exactly. Yeah. And John Goodman, like, a lot of people think of him as, oh, that's the guy from Roseanne, right? Well, yes, technically you are correct, but he is such a good actor. He is such a good actor. Like, my first exposure to John Goodman was as Pacha in The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I forgot that he he played as Pacha. And he so... Oh, he did. He did an amazing job as Pacha. And so to me, and he even played this to an extent in Roseanne, he was always this big, lovable guy, right? That voice always made me think of Pacha, and it made me think of Sully. We're talking about how sad it was when Boo has to say goodbye to Sully and, you know, vice versa. And then they shred the door. Mm -hmm. Well, then there's a time jump to, I believe it's a year later, and Sully still has one shred of the door on his clipboard. And Mike, you find out, has been putting this door back together. That way, Sully can go visit Boo. Mm -hmm. But he needs to have the complete door. So Sully gets to go put that last piece in. The door comes to life. It's activated. He walks in. And the last thing that you hear is Boo go, Kitty! And, then, and the, and sm face. the smile the that he gets, smile. oh man, I don't think I've seen a movie where an animated character expressed so much joy yeah. in, such an, in such a believable way. Yeah. I love Monsters, Inc. I think Monsters, Inc. is a masterpiece. It really, it really is. And uh, even uh, University, it wasn't, uh, of course, you know, it, it wasn't as great as um, Monsters, Inc., but it was still good. It, it, it was good, it, yeah. You know, you know I, I don't know. It, it's technically a prequel. Right. Um, right. I think 
uh, when they come out with a you know with the movie and then they come out with a you know with a with you know how it all happened the prequel and stuff it's interesting I don't think it's necessary of course. um if it's done right then yeah like you know like an example would be Rogue One you know before a New Hope like that was amazing that was great I loved it you know was it was it necessary no but was it good yes so the same thing with uh, Monsters University it's a prequel wasn't necessary but it was still good. I watched it. I had a good time with it, you know, but, um, but yeah, Monsters, Inc. Definitely. That's yeah. That's, those are the reasons why it's on my number one. Absolutely. Buddy. And that's the end for this week. Anyway, Thank you so much for listening. I know I haven't had an episode of the main show up in a long, long time. That will be changing here shortly, so please bear with me. I hope you have at least enjoyed the Twilight Thoughts that I've been putting up, so I hope you've enjoyed those. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. On Facebook, just search The Nocturnal Disney Podcast. Join our little group. On Instagram, you can find me at The Nocturnal Disney Podcast, all separated by underscores. And then on Twitter, it's just a little bit different. I said this wrong the other day, so I'm going to make sure I say it right tonight. It's at Disney Nocturnal. Find me there. Follow me. And honestly, I am getting much, much, much better at Twitter. So hopefully you'll see more of me there. If you want to find this show in other places than where you had originally found it, you can find it all over the place. iTunes, YouTube, Newgrounds. You can find me on Spotify. It's my personal favorite, so go check us out there if you want. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. My name is Bryce. I've been here with Timmy. Say bye, man. See you later. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely, dude. I'm I'm glad you were able to come in here and do this with me. I had a lot of fun. So did I. <laughs> Fantastic. And hurry back. Hurry back. We're dying to have you.